Well, greetings everybody and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. Delighted to bring you yet another episode of this podcast that I'm just enjoying probably more than I should as I get a chance to talk to some great players and uh, some think about some scenarios with a whole bunch of different people and get different perspectives. And, and this week we're going to dig into another hand situation that I had when I was out at the World Series of Poker. And this one I was pretty sure about the decision and it's been pretty confirmed by the folks uh, that responded. But I still think it's a very interesting situation because uh, my primary concern was as we neared the bubble, was I just tightening up way too much or was it still the right play uh, given the situation? And so uh, part of it is trying to get affirmation on that play, but also start to understand how are people thinking about it? Because you can reach the same decision, but giving weight to different factors. And so I found this this one to be super interesting in terms of what people responded and, and the reasons that they gave. So we'll get into that. I want to give a quick shout out to Running Aces for being the official sponsor of the Rec Poker Podcast. And also thanks to the Free Poker Network who is also supporting what we are doing. So you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at Rec Poker. We have a Facebook group, Rec Poker, or email me directly, stevefredland at gmail.com. If you have any questions or thoughts on what we should do going forward, or any feedback at all. Uh, all feedback I consider good feedback. All right, so here's this hand situation for this week. It's from the World Series of Poker Daily Deep Stack Tournament. This is from the 2 p.m., the $235 tournament, and there was 1,200 entrants. And at this point in the tournament, there was 200 people left and 180 got paid. So we're getting pretty close to the money here, about 20 more away from the money. The chip average was 90,000, and the blinds were at 500, 2,000, 4,000. So 2,000, 4,000 with the ante of 500. And I should mention that all of these uh, show notes are available on Facebook or uh, where you get your podcasts. So you can review this and kind of think about what you're going to do first uh, before you uh, start listening to this, or just pause it, write it down, and think about what you do. All right, once again, 200 remaining, 180 get paid, 90,000, chip average, big blind at 4,000 with the ante at 500. And here's the situation. Uh, Under the gun, there's a 25-year-old who's a pretty loose, aggressive player, and he makes it 11,000 from his 110,000 chip stack. And then in the cutoff, we have a 50-year-old tight, aggressive player who makes it 20,000 out of his 75,000 chip stack. And we're on the button and we pick up ace-queen suited. And we have 80,000 in chips. So the questions that I asked are, what uh, is the correct play, but also what things could change that would make you take a different action, and are there any other considerations or insights that you have? So in no particular order, here we go. Uh, We heard from Steve Webb. What's up, Webb? Uh, he says that this one is a pretty easy fold if uh, tight, if the tight aggressive re-raises, especially it's a min-raise. So you got to figure he has pocket jacks and higher um, for pairs and probably even pocket queens and higher most times. He could have ace-king and possibly ace-queen. Uh, I don't think he's raising with anything less than that. And so if you're about 30 to 40% chance to win, I think you could shove their pre-flop but I think I would consider it uh, not the best move, but could be profitable sometimes if you steal it or if they possibly have ace-jack or ace-10 there, but probably not. Usually I'm just folding there 
but not happy about laying it down because it's a pretty tight fold. And I should mention on this one, why don't I go ahead and just say what I did. On, on this one, I actually did fold. Um, I, I think it was a fairly standard fold, but uh, I, I was reluctant and the reason I brought this up is because I thought, am I just tightening up too much on the bubble? Uh, the bubble is clearly a place where you can really chip up. And should I be concerned about the bubble or should I be playing my game and trying to chip up? So I did fold uh, reluctantly. Uh, so you can consider that <laughs> while we hear from the people, people who are a little better uh, players than I am. So thanks, Steve. Uh, Nick Crow Kramer says, in this spot, I either call or fold. I'm not worried about under the gun as he would probably fold with the shove, but the tight aggressive would probably call. And if he's tight, you are really good with ace-queen? What do you think? The best case is you're up against a pocket pair. You have to imagine you're behind. I would like to see a flop here and hopefully four flush or be in a position on the button to not play a massive pot with ace-queen against a tight player. Even if an ace hits, you're probably in a good spot to take the pot if he checks. In my opinion, 20 away from the money has no bearing on my decision. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Doug Behrens, he says, first I need these answers. How often does a player bust? How long until bubble play? Was the 11,000 raise the normal open bet? Can we fold ace-queen ace queen, even if we limit the re-raiser to better hands? What is your table image? Then Doug says, let's flat call the 20,000. If the leg re-raises and the tag calls, you might fold. It's a horrible outcome. If you improve, shove. If not, fold to any action. Stack sizes are a real problem both to you and the tag, as you need to be all in or fold. The leg has enough to force this response. A reasonable play is to be all in pre-flop if you are a tight aggressive. If you had less chips, shoving is preferred. All right, Jason Root, what do you say? He says, fold. Most 50-year-old tight aggressive players are not min-raising in an under-the-gun opener without exactly pocket aces or pocket kings. Maybe queens or ace-king would, but not likely. It's not likely that it would be those hands since you have blockers to those hands. I'd say the cutoff has pocket kings here a ton and is looking to extract max value from the under-the-gun opener by getting another 10k in the pot. Now, if the cutoff has more chips, things change a bit. If you indeed think the cutoff is capable of raising a leg player light, most wrecks are not capable of making that raise, so you'd have to evaluate. But if you view the cutoff as any type of competent player, that is, you think he's capable of noticing the under-the-gun is a, is a loose aggressive player and thus capable of raising him light, then you can shove over the top here with ace-queen suited, provided he had like 100,000 chips. I think folding is optimal in most all situations here though. The mini click three bet raised from the under the gun is pretty strong. And your your uh, he also says you're 20 from the bubble with 20 big blinds, so you definitely need to pick your spots. You may be able to fold into the money, but that's no fun. All the money is usually in the top three spots, especially in those deep stack dailies. So time to make some gamble and try to build a stack so you can play table captain near the bubble and pick up enough stack depth to make a deep run. All right, good stuff as always, Rudy. Vic Swanson says, I'm calling. I don't know what tag means, <laughs> so sorry, Vic. Uh, tag is tight aggressive. I do know we will have, in my opinion, an advantage of acting last after the flop. Thus, I will have no problem folding after the flop with a post-flop raise and, I'm, and I don't hit. 50000 can get me in the money. 
If someone does go all in pre-flop, I am folding. Thanks, Vic. Uh, Jason Ackerman. Jason says, The re-raise by the tight aggressive player has me concerned. He just committed 25% of his chips. He's probably moving all in on the flop. We are still sitting fine with our stack at 20 big blinds. I currently don't have any chips in the pot, so why call and commit such a high percentage against a tight aggressive player, or worse, go all in and risk elimination so close to the money? My focus here might be how do I make the money and I probably fold. If tag doesn't come in for a re-raise, I do shove all in on the lag. If the tight aggressive player was a loose aggressive player, I probably re-raise and go all in. Jason says achieve the first goal of making the money and then the next goal of moving up in the pay structure. Thanks, Jason. Matt Hamilton says fold. We are approaching the money bubble in a three-bet pot. Anything worse than ace-king suited should be a fold. Ace-king offsuit and ace-king suited can also be argued as folds depending on the cutoff's perceived three-betting range. If we weren't on the bubble, you can argue calling or shoving, but I still don't like it with this particular hand. Ace-queen suited just isn't great against a tight player's three-bet range in general. And in general, we should be pretty conservative in this spot, unless we believe the three-better is capable of messing around with a wider range. And we also heard from Steve Olson. Hey, Steve, nice to hear from you. Steve says, there are several things to think about. How long have you guys been playing with these players, and what is your feel for them? Since the the under-the-gun player is aggressive, I would think you'd be ahead of her. The bigger problem is the three-bet from a tight player. What is your goal? A min-cash or the final table? Folding probably gets you a min-cash in an orbit, certainly within two orbits, and allows you to find a better spot. I don't like calling because it opens the door for the blinds to come in, especially the big blind, and allow the -the under-the-gun player to raise again. Also, you'll miss the flop 60% of the time, be forced to fold, and you just lost a quarter of your chips. You have 20 big blinds, which is a lot to shove with an ace high, but if I thought they would both fold, I would do it. A min raise is half your stack, and if I'm betting half my chips, I'm betting them all. Again, what is the cutoff 3-betting with? How often has he 3-bet? What are you really beating right now? The last thing you want is a 3-way all-in with ace-queen. Your cards could be dead with some of your Broadway cards in your opponent's hand. In the end, I probably fold and look for a better spot. Once again, if I thought they would both fold, shoving is the right play, but a risky one. But a three-way all-in is the worst outcome. Unless you win it. (laughs) Sorry for the wishy-washy answers. I'm dealing with some serious poker remorse right now. I recently three-bet all-in with pocket queens and got called by ace-king. Needless to say, Anthology Lacastro caught his ace, and I was an early casualty on day three of the WSOP Senior Championship. But hey, great run, Steve. Incredibly great run, day three. He says Lacrosse would go on to take fifth. It was 672,000 chip pot, and if it came my way, I would have been sixth in chips in the tournament. Easy come, easy go. <laughs> All right, Steve, thanks for adding that other piece, too. And again, uh, nice run and nice hearing from you. Uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again on the podcast. Taylor Moss says, so this is tough. It's always hard to say that you should fold ace-queen suited pre-flop, but this is probably a spot to do it. There's a lot of things going against us that says to fold. We have an under-the-gun open. Someone min-raised an under-the-gun open. Okay, not min-raised, but close to it. We are nearing the money bubble. This isn't the spot to be rumbling, and we could easily be in third place. I mean, aren't you scared of a tight, aggressive player re-raising near the money bubble? I'm folding, but not telling anyone I folded ace-queen suited. 
unless I'm recording a podcast that might help recreational players figure out when they should fold ace queen suited preflop. <laughs> nice, Taylor. Uh, Taylor also says, a lot of things could change to make me play this differently. If we aren't in the bubble, I'm more likely to make a play. If middle position doesn't raise, but instead just calls, then I'm looking to make a raise myself. If I have a bigger stack than the other players, maybe I can scare them into thinking they might bubble. Plenty of other situations where you can play ace-queen suited, and this happens to be one where you shouldn't. Good stuff, Taylor. Uh, let's take a quick break here and uh, hear from Running Aces, the official sponsor of the Rec Poker podcast. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. All right, and we are back. Let's hear from Rob Washam. Rob says, my initial thought is to call the three bet in position with a hand that flops well, especially if I know that the loose aggressive player is like not likely to four bet. If the tight aggressive would only three bet with pocket queens and higher an ace king, then it's a definite fold. The description tag or tight aggressive player is rather general. Does this mean you've only seen him three bet with pocket queens and higher and ace king? Or have you seen him show this kind of aggression with pairs down to pocket eights or ace jack and better? Or even king queen? We are not in the money, so ICM considerations are not in play. It would be nice to be able to build your stack, but I would lean toward a more risk-averse course of action. We have two people showing interest in the hand, and besides a monotone flop of our suit, with what flop would you feel comfortable continuing? Thanks, Rob. Uh, Mike Inglehop says, fold, 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 fold. We are too close to the money here to mess around. Both these guys have shortish stacks, and since we are close to the money, they really shouldn't be messing around much. It is super likely one or both of these guys has a better hand than you. You can't call because what are you going to do if the original raiser jams all in? You can re-raise, but because you can re-raise because if you do, it basically has to be a shove, and you are behind so often here. And even if you are not, even if it's magically a 50-50 spot, you are so close to the bubble with a 20 big blind stack that to me you just stay patient and fold until you are dealt something you can shove over someone with pre-flop or min-raise in good position with the intention of folding to a re-raise or shoving. There really should be no hands you are calling a re-raise with at this stack depth and point in the tournament. Unless, maybe you trap with pocket aces or kings in a perfect situation. Uh, such as your last act versus an aggressive player. I really can't see changing this action or any other considerations. Alright, thank you Mike. Uh, let's move on to what Rocky Wiley says. Alright, Rocky. By the time the action has made it to us, there's already 42,000 chips in this pot. With 20 big blinds uh, on the button, I think I would opt for a call if I think under the gun is most likely to also, based on previous observations of this player. I also think it's important to still give credit to the pre-flop opener as an under the gun raise It's a spot that implies strength. They certainly have a decent stack, but 27 big blinds is not a monstrous amount of chips, and loose aggressive doesn't mean reckless. I will say that if I thought that the opener was likely to ship, then I would be fine with the fold on the button as much as I might, as I might not like it. Committing 25% of our stack with 20 players left to make the money is a substantial risk, but could pay off huge, but with a raise and a re-raise in front, I'm not really a believer in this being the, pot, the spot to ship pre-flop. 
In this spot, I'm looking to play my position without overcommitting myself. It would be nice to know what the blinds are like in the second scenario. What are their stacks and types of players they are? These would certainly factor into my decision making as well. Rocky goes on to say, I think if there was no other action after the under-the-gun raise and it folded to me on the button, there's a stronger argument to re-raise preflop and put pressure on the opener and squeezing the blinds out. The problem is if you do get re-raised, what do you do with ace-queen then? It's hard to risk your tournament in this spot 20 from the money with ace-queen. I still like calling and taking the flop in position. I would much rather play post-flop and not put so much risk on my hand pre-flop. When you overcommit with these types of hands, you only get called by hands that beat you and folds from ones that don't. High risk and low reward is not smart poker. One thing I would be interested in for both hand scenarios, last week and this week, is the overall structure and level time frame for each tournament. I have heard that in the middle portion of these games, the structure skips some levels, accelerating the play. This is another area that might affect my decision-making process. Sometimes the implied stack size based on structure and cards may dictate play despite previous actions. Good stuff, Rocky. Let's turn it over to Chris Nelson. This is an easy decision for me. Fold. First, you are getting near the money. You probably have enough to limp your way into the cash. Second, you have no money invested in the pot other than your ante. Third, it is likely you are behind and possibly crushed. In order to call, you are risking a quarter of your stack, and unless you are willing to shove all in, it's not worth the risk. I can see a smooth call for the 11,000 raise, but not a re-raise. It's a nice hand in position, but can easily be beat. Live to fight another day would be my advice. All right, thanks, Chris. All right, how about Mr. Brian Soja, MN Pats fan? Probably sitting there in his uh, Patriots jersey as we speak. All right, Brian says this. Okay, I know my answer may shock most people, but I fold here almost every time. First off, even most leg players don't open under the gun light. It would be helpful to know how often the player has been raising from this position, what types of hands he has shown when playing in early position, what his normal open raise sizing has been, etc. Not having that information, I'm still going to put his opening range somewhere in the neighborhood of pocket nines and higher, ace ten and higher, and some suited Broadway cards. Maybe an outside shot at some random suited connectors that are his favorites, just because he has a decent amount of chips. It would also be helpful to know how his stack size compares to the table, not just overall tournament average, and how he has been running recently. If he has been on a little heater in recent hands, I open that range up a little. If he has taken a few losses, even small ones, he is more likely to tighten up a little bit. Also, how big are the stacks in the blinds? While many players think about the stack sizes of the blinds when they are in late position with thoughts on stealing the blinds, it could be a situation where the blinds have relatively smaller stacks and have been playing tight, and he is trying to take advantage of the stack, si of the stack size. Many players give under-the-gun raises too much respect, so he may have some surprises hoping the table folds around. Brian says, now it's not his open that makes this a fold. The 50-year-old tag 3-betting is the key. Again, it would be helpful to know more about him. Since you guys are sitting next to each other, what is your read on him? Have you been chatting with him? Have you guys had conversations at all about the leg player? Many older tags often express their disdain for young leg players at the table and talk about how they're waiting to pick them off. However, not knowing any of this, the basic principle holds true. 
If the tag is three bedding and under the gun razor, especially for nearly a third of his stack, his range is going to be something like pocket tens and higher, ace queen and higher, and maybe ace jack. Because of the size of his three bet relative to his stack size, the message is pretty clear that he is extremely comfortable getting it all in. While the raise from 11k to 20k isn't that much, it is the size of the overall bet relative to his stack that signifies he's got a big hand. Now some may say that his raise is small and therefore he is weak, just trying to get the loose guy to go away without having to risk much more. But remember, he is a tight player and older. He has been around the block before. He knows that if he raises much more than that, it is going to look weird that he didn't just shove. And if he shoves, he likely loses his customer. I highly doubt that he didn't make his rage larger to be able to fold to a shove from someone yet to act behind him. He is ready to play for stacks. Given this, how good does ace-queen, even suited, really look? It looks okay against the range of the leg raise, even from under the gun, but it is really bad in bad shape against the tag three better. Your only hope is that he either got squirrely with ace-jack or has pocket tens or pocket jacks. Other than that, your hand is crushed by your opponent's range. Additionally, you have 20 big blinds with only 10% of the field left until the money. The 235 daily at the Rio has a pretty decent structure. 20 big blinds is not the time to panic. Plus, with a field size of 1,200, the money is going to be fairly large compared to the buy-in. There is no need to panic here and gamble with ace-queen. An argument could be made that just to just flat, but I think this is the worst option. Flatting opens you up to a shove from the loose aggressive player, and what then do you do? That move would pretty much eliminate from his range all the hands that you beat. So now you just called off 5 big blinds out of your 20 big blind stack just to fold and be stuck nursing a 15 big blind stack. Also, even if the leg just flats behind you, what kind of flop are you hoping for? There's really only 3. Ace-Queen, uh, 3 of your suit, or King-Jack-10. In other words, flopping the nuts or the top 2. Why? Well, given the action, are you going to feel safe on an ace-x flop? Remember, the tag opponent easily has ace-king in his range, making you praying to catch a queen if he leads into you on this flop. Also, even though we put the leg player on a fairly higher range, isn't it possibly he opened with, say, a suited wheel combo like ace-5 suited, and then called the 3-bit because there was your extra chips in there? If so, he may have hit two pair and checked, knowing what the tag's range and yours include some big ace hands and he's looking to check shove. Do you feel confident on a queen high board? Maybe, but what do you do if, if, the, if it goes leg check, tag open, or shove? You have no idea what the tag has, but given what I talked about before, his range likely has you beat. So if he's comfortable opening on a queen high flop after showing three bet aggression pre-flop, top pair, top kicker is probably no good. There is an argument for shoving here, and it's a better option than calling. But based on what I think about my opponent's range as well as my stack size relative to the big blind and proximity to the bubble and the value of the prize pool, I can easily wait for a better spot. All right. Thank you, young man. I appreciate all of your insight, Mr. Soja. Uh, let's take another quick break. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. 
All right, let's hear from another uh, one of our new voices on the Rec Poker podcast, Andy Kaplan. Andy says, I think this is a fold. The under the gun is, well, under the gun, which to me means his range is much more weighted toward premium hands. Even though he has a relatively big stack, 27 big blinds, I just don't see a lot of raises here without a strong hand. I'm assuming a 10-player table here. The cutoff has re-raised, which can mean both that the cutoff recognizes the potential for the -the under-the-gun player to have a premium hand, and that with 13 big blinds left after his re-raise, he is capable of being pot committed if 4-bet. It's possible that the cutoff is willing to play for all of his chips, and he is not fearful of the -the under-the-gun player's initial raise. So again, I put him on a strong range, perhaps an even stronger range than the -the under-the-gun player. Now, of course, the the under-the-gun could be getting a bit out of line, and having several hours at this table might give you a good read to that possibility. We are reading him as a lag, but even so, I think it's best to put him on a strong hand just based on his position. The same could be said about the cutoff. He could be reading some weakness in the the under-the-gun player and trying to bluff or semi-bluff re-raise in this position. However, we, we are reading him as tight aggressive, so we should probably give him credit for a stronger range based on the previous action his aggression, and his somewhat shorter remaining stack. So we could very well be facing one and possibly two strong or premium hands. Based on the range of both players, I think we are behind here at least 50% of the time. Are we willing to risk our tournament life with ace-queen suited in this spot? I think no. Therefore, I think I find a fold here. All right, thanks, Andy. Hunter Sitchi. I have a couple of notes on situational awareness as discussed in our last podcast. <laughs> and he, so he talked a little bit about that too, you know, how many people players in their hand, all of those things. Uh, I think uh, Hunter raises some good points as far as uh, making sure that we're aware of all of the situations going on. But Hunter says, the correct play is to fold almost every time. There are three reasons why you should do this. Under the gun is opening 2.75x from a 27.5 big blind stack at a nine-handed table. That is, even a lag range should be relatively tight. The cutoff is three betting five big blinds off of an 18.75 big blind stack against a tight under the gun range as the money bubble is approaching. And ace-queen suited barely has an equity advantage against the under the gun and almost never has an equity advantage against the cutoff. My advice is give under the gun raises respect and run away when someone three bets them. Hunter also says there's a few changes that would impact what he did. Stack sizes. He says, I would do the same thing with 100 big blinds. So that's not an impact. Considering knowledge of players, under the gun and the cutoff would have to be true maniacs for me to change my mind. Our starting hand. As a default, I would shove with pocket jacks or better or ace king. And in regard to the tournament situation, although the money bubble shouldn't be a huge consideration, It often is for small stakes players. Other considerations that Hunter brings up. He says, buy the SnapShove app and manually enter the situation to see the optimal calling and shoving ranges. He says, buy a Poker Snowy Pro subscription and manually enter the situation into scenario mode for even more info. And finally, he says, buy the Poker Income Pro app and start tracking your tournament results and bust out hands to create accountability and all of these are available at checkshovepoker.com software. All right, thanks, Hunter. Joe Bernard. All right, Joe. Gangsta. Gangsta Joe. He says, lean toward folding. The cutoff's three bet is projecting a lot of strength. They are giving the opener immaculate odds to at least call, and they are not giving themselves much room to fold for a sh- to a shove. 
With the bubble fast approaching and a stack that is not in any imminent danger, the three better should not want to put himself in a tough situation without having a strong range. The best we could hope for is to see a strangely played pocket tens or pocket jacks from the cutoff, and even then it's not an ideal situation for us to participate with our stack and our holding, especially being close to the money. I may even fold ace-king here. He says, I could see shoving here with the stack size dynamics only if I was fairly certain the cutoff made it 20k by accident and meant to call, or if the cutoff was using this maneuver with some more obscure holdings. If we are deeper stacked, more options come into play. Ace-queen suited could play well as a cold call. We have a hand that has a decent equity against even very strong ranges, and we have the best position. We could also turn our hand into a bluff by putting in the fourth raise, depending, uh, representing ultimate strength. If the opener or the three better flat our cold four, we, we have a good hand and position, and if they shove, we can assume they have us crushed. There is an argument to knit it up and fold too, even at the deeper stack depths. We are going to be in a tough spot if the opener raises our cold call, and the cutoff may only have the six or twelve best combination of hands with their choice of three bet sizing pocket kings or pocket aces. Thank you, Gangster Joe. Uh, let's hear from Schneids, Mr. Mike Schneider. He says, I fold preflop without even thinking about it. Both because we are near the bubble and I think our hand is in real rough shape against our opponent's preflop ranges. The first factor I would consider is the extre extremely small re-raise from the 50-year-old tag. To me, this seems really fishy and smells like a huge hand that is trying to get a little action. He practically min-raised while putting in a quarter of his stack. Something just doesn't smell right. Plus throw in that we're near the bubble and there's a good chance our opponents are going to be playing tighter to try not to bust, and I think this is a case where there is no way we can consider entering the pot in any fashion. Alright, so there you have it. Uh, that's the end of this deal. I appreciate all of the input. Again, uh, what I did is I went ahead and folded, just like a lot of these folks did. But I did worry that I was I was maybe playing too tight. Um, while people generally play tighter on the bubble, I know some people see that as an opportunity to try to build a stack. And so I just wanted to uh, have some some people with more experience really think that through and give their thoughts on it. And so uh, some great stuff to think about, some great uh, situations where if things were a little bit different, how people would play it out. So good stuff. I appreciate all the input. Uh, I just love hearing from players who are across across the board. So uh, with that, I'm going to bid you adieu until uh, next week, and I look forward to chatting with you then. If you have any suggestions, any ideas, uh, give me a shout at Rec Poker on Twitter, Rec Poker Facebook group, stevefredland at gmail.com. And, uh, hey, you can, uh, you can get all this information, and you can access these podcasts through the Running Aces website too, runaces.com slash poker. Uh, it's an easy way to uh, to send the link to your friends or if folks don't know how to access podcasts. Just tell them, hey, go to the Running Aces website and, and uh, look for Rec Poker, and uh, you can get to it that way. So with that, uh, thanks all. Talk to you soon.